Fight Club. As always, it's myself, Justin Julander, and co-host, Jeff Oh, oh yeah! <laughs> it was a good, uh, had to get you a good one, one yeah. yeah. I thought it was yeah. like the Kool-Aid Man. The cool, well, I could be the Kool-Aid Man, I, it's, you know. <laughs> That let me go get too. my red. Let me go get my red outfit, and I'll I'll, I'll be over, Justin. I'll just bust through your wall. <laughs> yeah, oh, we need yeah. some sound effects, like so, yeah. like right before you say that, we'll have yeah. a little crunch. I'm with that, in. dude. <laughs> totally there. Totally there. Cool. Yeah, I was a Kool Aid Man generation, so <laughs> yeah. People All right. Well, what they're missing tonight. We've got a, a great guest, uh, Philip. Is it Lights or Leeds? Leets, Leets. I yeah. I thought that sounded German, you know, with the yeah, it is. Yeah, I before the e, you say the e sound, so yeah, you I should have known that. Yeah, you should just it. been confident about it. <laughs> yeah, man, it, it's a tricky one. People, uh, we you know, back in the era of telemarketers calling your house. Yeah, um, we used to get every imaginable pronunciation of yeah. my last name and uh, it was it was uh it, it was remarkable the kinds of crap people would come up with but <laughs> yeah you can always yeah. tell if it's if it's a friend if they you know know how yes. to say your name correctly yeah yeah, yeah. cool <laughs> yep. well yeah thanks for uh being here we're excited to have you on the show so i'm psyched yeah. to do it i really like the show it's fun oh thanks awesome. thanks thank we, you we yeah. enjoy doing it <laughs> yeah i've really i've legitimately learned uh quite a bit just from your guys's shows i mean just just points of view i had not considered or maybe um different guests that you've had on i was like oh mm -hmm. i never heard of that guy let me go see what they're up to it's, it's yeah it's awesome yeah. i really like it a lot cool awesome cool. thank I you i guess that's yeah. the yeah that's the hope yeah. is that <laughs> people yeah. like you get some information out of it yeah super yeah. good super good to hear and <laughs> and we're glad you're yeah. on yeah so. same for me though i i get get stuff out of all our conversations and you know yeah. see different points of view and that's the whole point of this yeah. you know because you, you yeah. may not consider everything you know both sides oh, yeah. and you never do no nope. yeah and <laughs> yeah. i mean we're just scratching the surface of course so yeah this is a yeah and and uh phil you go phil or philip what do you prefer oh yeah phil phil philip whatever's easy for you it's all okay, good phil yeah. is great yeah. yeah. So Phil, Phil gave us some really good, uh, ideas for, for topics. So we're like, Hey, come on, let's, and he was all for it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you're a fighter, right? You get into like, oh, uh, all, uh, like martial fighting arts light. Or... Yeah. Fighting yeah. light. Yeah. So it's, uh -huh. um, I'm a Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor and, oh, cool. uh, and, and competitor. Um, mm -hmm. never, never got in the cage with anybody, nothing yeah. quite like that. <laughs> even though, uh -huh. even though that kind of training is kind of peppered into your jujitsu training to a certain degree sure. i've never yeah that's not i want to protect my computer you know yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. So yeah. the longevity jujitsu yeah that's yeah. right exactly yeah. yes that's cool I'm with and that. you're, yeah, you've I'm with been that. doing a lot of cool artwork with that too right the yeah um, that's cool yeah, you, uh, you, you so are you an artist or are you just yeah, I was trained as a um, as an illustrator uh, when oh, I cool. that was just what I went to college for, and uh -huh. um, I spent some time living over in Berlin in Germany. Um, oh, really? Doing Me work. too. Oh, no kidding! Right? Yeah. When? When were you in Berlin? I was in ninety five to ninety six, oh. ninety five, nice. ninety six around there. Yeah. Oh, okay, I was a, yeah. I was a, a, about twenty years late. Okay. From, yeah, I was <laughs> yeah. from about two thousand end of or beginning of 2011 to the uh, middle of 2012 or so oh, cool. i was i was in berlin and i was working at a studio where we did like um um concept art for games and film and stuff like oh, that nice. and um and then when i came back from there uh the jujitsu artwork stuff kind of picked up and i was doing mm -hmm. that but man i've been doing reptiles for i mean just like you guys have you know forever right yeah. you just 
you yeah. find you find dinosaurs when you're a kid and then you find yeah. real dinosaurs well <laughs> cooler than dinosaurs yeah. you know and, and it, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's cool yeah last yeah. week uh, it hasn't it hasn't been out yet but we had uh, adeline Shut up. Oh, that's <laughs> okay no one on the fourth yeah. wall yeah. well not really i mean <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we had adeline robinson on um, nice and talk yeah. about her art so that was cool. oh yeah. sweet that's awesome yeah, you yeah, can totally great. spoil episodes that haven't happened yet this is kind of the cool part of it right yeah yeah, exactly. yeah. nice yeah well they've yeah it was now. good you know, if you're yeah, listening that's what to I'm this saying. that's yeah. what i'm saying <laughs> there you go so, but you know it hasn't happened now now right yeah but when will then be now Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, <laughs> when is now? Uh, isn't that? There's a podcast I listened to uh, with a couple of comedians. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Pen pals, and they, they oh, always nice. say when is now or whatever. <laughs> you know. that, Who knows when when you're going to be listening to this? It could be you know ten years in the future. Right. <laughs> when is now? Right. right? <laughs> yeah, that's cool. But yeah, oh, both man. Chuck and I are dabbling art as well, and oh nice Chuck really start yeah, yeah he went to school for it as well so yeah oh, no kidding. Where, where'd you go uh so i was uh in the <laughs> art program at ball state university uh in nice. muncie indiana yeah i i did i did i did like sculpture in high school i had uh, an art teacher who i just i didn't really do art seriously before that and uh -huh. he was really cool he he kind of put me on some projects and and uh, had me working in stone and doing plaster and stuff like that and he encouraged me to enter into a, a an art a statewide art contest called the prelude awards and so i Ooh. i run one runner up in that uh, and that's that's out of the entire state of indiana so i nice. that was nice. when i was kind of like oh wow so <laughs> like i can i can do this you know but no no real formal training i went and went to ball state and as as i told adeline i i just had such a good time that i partied my butt right out of there and uh <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so wasn't wasn't quite ready to be serious so i i came to back to the came back to indiana did some did some work you know did some jobs and just decided like i i gotta get out of here i gotta do something so i, I joined the yeah. joined the navy and and um you know that's been that that was a great experience but that was kind of really where i stopped doing art kind of seriously um so you know still yeah. still very interested in it still you know love mm -hmm. love art and have such an appreciation for it but man I, now i'm into reptiles and I, I i like um you know i i like shooting and 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 uh nice. things like that so you know my my eclectic uh uh <laughs> taste take me all different directions but apparently not back to art so um <laughs> you know <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. sometimes the path to art can be uh, a winding path. Yeah, you know, for so, sure, yeah. for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. now, now I, you, I just try oh, to do pretty, pretty reptiles. That's my, that's yeah. my oh, yeah. living artistic. Yeah. Yeah, 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 there you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah for sure. The so now, do you contribution? Do you go do uh, art as is like uh, for for money or? You, yeah, you, yeah, 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 yeah. It was, um, it was I something I was. Yeah. So, do you do art for money? Do you exchange All, art for <laughs> only for free? No, <laughs> yeah, no uh, um, yeah, it's a it's like a side hustle. Uh -huh. um, it, it has been at periods of time in my life. It's been the primary thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, the last like five uh, five, six years or so, it's just been all reptiles, um, with a handful of odd jobs sprinkled in there here and there. Mm -hmm. Um, and even though I've been, you know, I've, I've been doing artwork the whole time and, and, um, yeah. occasionally some reptile artwork too, but it, mm -hmm. uh, it never, it, as of yet, it hasn't added up to like 
sufficient to cover everything, mm-hmm. sure. you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah. eventually if I could get it to do that, it'd be great, but yeah. I prefer to spend most of my time with the, the reptiles. So that's, yeah. um, I, I, it's fine. If, if I have to just, if I bummer, if I just have to keep <laughs> playing yeah. with lizards for Darn the rest it. of my life, yeah. I guess I'll just keep doing that. That's, right. Yeah. That's how <laughs> yeah, I feel yeah. too. Yeah. Well, yeah. so where do you fit into herpetoculture? Like what kind of stuff do you work with? Yeah. Um, tell us what you Sure. So um, the, my primary focus is Euromastics. Yeah. Um, and those are, I just, I've been working with those for, well, breeding them. This will be my 10th year okay. uh, breeding cool. them, but that I've been working, keeping, I've been keeping them since I was like 17 years old, just mm-hmm. at various times, um, but never took Euros specifically super seriously until about 10 years ago or so. Gotcha. Um, and uh, well, I guess it would have been a little, cause I got babies before, you know, 10 years ago was when I bred them for the first mm-hmm, time. Right. Yeah. But then, you know, and I, I think you understand. Yeah, what I get you. Um, I get you. Yeah. And, and then, uh, I have a handful of other projects as well. Like I, I, I also breed, um, Xenogama Taylori. Oh, cool. And, uh, yeah. And, um, I love those weird little they're things. Those yeah. Are, the tiny weird tails. And <laughs> yeah, they, they do these weird little, they're like those phrenosoma, phrenocephalus where they, they actually can oh. wriggle, wriggle the end of their tail. Really? And do little, yeah. And do little pushups. Huh. It's re- super That's weird. cool. Yeah. yeah. It looks like it just like a sharp spine or something coming out yeah. the back, but it's That's, flexible. Huh? Yeah. That's it cool. It's, it's very odd. And hmm. then sort of those, um, I have, uh, uh, Um, hmm. I have, um, uh, well, I've worked with a ton of different things, but the primary stuff is going to be the Euros, the Xenogama. Um, I have some ne- Nephris amei nice. uh, as well. Um, and then I have uh, a, a couple, two species of the Cuban giant anoles, which oh, nice. are um, mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. Uh, I've only had them for maybe coming up on a year and a half, two years. But mm-hmm. like you want to talk about a reptile that you – when I was younger, I, I wrote them off as, you know, I feel bad about admitting it now, but I, you know, when I was young and dumb, I was kind of wrote off the Cuban anoles, like whatever, it's just these mean green <laughs> lizards that, you know, come into the reptile shop where I used to work at all the time. But, um, I totally have come around due to guys like Ron St. Pierre breeding those, yeah. all He's those different varieties. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and when I got some, just because I was copying, I was like, I, that seems cool. I want to do it. I got a few and I was like, wow, these are so fun. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, but, but the euros specifically, I think are what anyone, if they do, if they have heard of me, it's, it's for mm-hmm. Euromastics. Euro yeah. How, how yeah. do the anoles fit in with your kind of more deserty lizard? Uh, type? <laughs> they don't. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> no, I, no, I, I, yeah. I have to, um, I keep a few of the babies here at, at my home mm-hmm. just to, because it's easier, you know, yeah. um, the adults, I keep them, there's like a space in the small room of my shop. Uh, my, mm-hmm. my shop is divided into two rooms and the small room is like for babies and some of the Xenogama. Yeah. So the temperature is already just a little cooler, mm-hmm. um, compared to the big room with all the adult euros. And then, um, <laughs> and so what I do is I just kind of keep the anoles in like a corner and then in the bathroom and then I keep a fan on them. And then I have, I have their cages kind of covered with plastic to keep humidity in and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a, it's a real nightmare, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but you know, yeah. you got to do what you got to do to get yeah. to, to work yeah. with the animals you want to, you know, yeah. Yeah. there's so many cool species out there. It's hard sometimes to, wow. you know, and yeah, you're like, it's, well, I'll, maybe I'll stick I, in my wheelhouse, but sometimes I, I, I kind of get outside of there. That's yeah. kind of the cool part is, you know, when you're able to just kind of bridge, bridge gaps of, of care that, that don't mm-hmm. always make total sense in, in the environment that you have, if you can do that mm-hmm. and, and do it fairly well, like that's a, 
you know yeah that's kind of a fun chat that's a fun challenge i think yeah no you're you're totally right man i mean you know most of the time the annuls were kind of a nice practice for me because um just so much of my experience with herps has been with desert stuff you mm-hmm. know it's just been that's what i ended up being drawn to the yeah. most and um when i go field herping i most often go to the desert and i'm me looking too. for you know <laughs> yeah exactly yep. Baking in the sun, trying trying not to die of dehydration, uh, just yeah. to see some lizards. But um, you know, the having to incorporate an animal that needs lower temperatures and high humidity um, is a nice, fun challenge to tackle. Because most of the time, I'm going the other way. Like, mm-hmm. for example, one of the reasons I got the Nephrus amii is because um, other than their strip, UV, I put a UV strip on them. But other than their UV, I don't have to do anything temperature what you right i don't have to add any heat or anything because they just go up and down with the natural temperatures of the of the room mm-hmm. because ambient daytime temperature is like 88 degrees yeah. in the shop and that they're they're pretty solid you know they don't want to get a whole lot hotter than that as, yeah. as i know you you keep them right justin yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah so they're, they're, they're my favorite gecko species they're so cool they they're yeah. little martian goblins oh, in my yeah. yeah yeah i love them <laughs> yeah um, cool but they normally stuff fits in <laughs> Some stuff can fit in streamline like that, but then mm-hmm. um, it's it's been a fun challenge with the anoles and yeah. a handful of other things to try to go the totally opposite direction. Now I just realize <laughs> I need two different facilities is what I need at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's the trick is getting yeah. those all fit. Although, you know, I really enjoyed uh, Ron St. Pierre talking about the the humidity, the dew point and oh, yeah. all that talk about the moisture, yes. even, you know, especially with desert reptiles because, you know, you backpack or camp out in the desert and it's hot during the day but then the night it can get pretty cold and then yeah you wake up and there's a lot of moisture on the tent and or on your sleeping yeah. bag if you're out under the stars that kind of thing yep. so yeah yeah yep. no I, you're I, right i've been playing with that a little bit you know maybe spraying them at night or something going yeah on, me you know, too <laughs> them down. yeah it was yeah. really cool cool it's, uh, it's interesting on here yeah we do oh, yeah we do it is oh, interesting yeah. a lot of the adaptations i mean plant wise animal wise how they're they're mm-hmm. really at a adapted to catch that that do that uh, you know yeah. as it condensates in the morning because that's mm-hmm. that's it you know and it's it but yeah. but it's fairly you know it's there fairly regularly for them so um yeah, yeah i always totally. find that kind of stuff so interesting yeah, yeah and the, and the desert too is such a especially in terms of plant life is such a wild mm-hmm. place because you, you can yeah. go out and i don't know any other place that changes so dramatically from dead dry to yeah. Uh, full of life. And mm-hmm. you see, you know, especially if you frequent some of the same places, you'll see mm-hmm. whole, pl- whole plants that you're like, wait a minute, I looked at this plant because I thought it was weird looking five years ago. And it's mm-hmm. to- and it hasn't changed for five <laughs> years. And then one out of nowhere, it's just this massive thing yeah. with all these yeah. tendrils and i mean i don't know that much about plants um yeah. the ones you see in the background are my fiance it's not mine but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but like you, you, but you know what i mean you see those yeah, weird yeah. plants that just pop out out of nowhere in the desert and you just yeah like, holy yeah. smokes where did this thing yeah. come from we're, yeah, uh, yeah. we're central australia in 2010 and and it yeah. was the wettest year on record for that area and you know alice area and yeah. like 
the botanists were going crazy because there were all these plants coming out that they'd never seen, you know, that yeah. were like, cool. yeah, they'd maybe yeah. out or something, and they just come out because they had enough moisture to finally make an appearance. And That's I mean, there awesome. were like flock, flocks of uh, budgies, you know, flying around and the locals were like, we've never seen that before. Like we, we get to see waterfalls coming off of Ayers Rock, Uluru, yeah. you know, it was pretty yeah. sweet. So, That's yeah, great. I, I love the desert. I could, yeah, I spend yeah. a lot of time out there. <laughs> yeah yeah i've i haven't been to that desert yet but once yeah. <laughs> one 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 day man oh i highly recommend it it's yeah once you get over there it's hard not to to keep going back yeah and if covid wasn't uh, an issue i'd be probably over there uh, last month or something yeah i was like gonna that. say yeah i know <laughs> yeah i just mean. told told yeah. my wife my my uh, 50th birthday party is going to be spent in australia so she was on board so nice. <laughs> hopefully uh, we don't have covid by then <laughs> yeah it's another four years i guess but yeah, yeah right a little way a little ways away <laughs> yeah <laughs> nice all right well um so we we're going to talk about uh, cohabitation. This was uh, mm -hmm. your suggestion, Phil. So yeah. it, it's a really cool one. And, and I think there's, you know, you know, we maybe have misconceptions or, or the ideas about cohabitation. So I think this yeah. will be a good, a good fight topic. So, mm -hmm. yeah, um, we'll go ahead and uh, flip a coin to see who gets to debate you first off. So cool. let Chuck uh, call the losing. T I mean, call the toss. <laughs> 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 what you got? <laughs> oh, did you already flip it? I flipped. What was it's that waiting. sorry it's excuse for a, uh, I'll say heads, but that was a sorry excuse for a coin oh, toss. You got it. It's heads, man. You're, you're on a roll. That's two in a row. What's going on here? The new uh, year, I guess 2022 is your year, man. <laughs> I had 2021 all the way. The more you tighten your grip, the more coin tosses slip through your fingers, Justin. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Oh, it's true. Yeah. All so, right. I don't know. What are you feeling? I, I I could let you debate this one. I think I think uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to take. I like this topic a lot. It's a good so. topic. I I'm, yeah. I I could debate this topic too, but I'll, I'm going to let you do it. I'll let you do okay. it. Okay. How's yeah, that? That's Is that's that fair? fair enough. Phil, I'll, are you I'll, all right I'll, with I'll that? You you wanna? Oh yeah, I'm I'm ready. I'm I <laughs> yeah. came prepared to to duke it out with either of you. So yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Right. You could probably take yeah. both of us, but yeah, I was oh, going to say. <laughs> All right. So Chuck is a great moderator, so he'll kind of keep us in line, I guess. Right. Nice. About all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, he, so we'll yeah. let Phil call the call the flip here for the um, which, uh, side. I'm going with uh, heads, just like just like Chuck. Oh, you didn't have the Chuck luck today. It's ah, tough, that's, so. <laughs> that's the way it is. Right. Anytime you bring well, money in there. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll maybe I'll go pro on this one. Pro oh, cohabitation. Yeah. Um, course there's you know obviously lots of different uh, pros and cons to it so this should be a, yeah, yeah, a fun yeah. one and i'm sure yeah, we won't cover it all but yeah yeah so yeah if anybody's out there listening thinking of things we missed go ahead and hit us up we'll have yeah. somebody else on to talk about it as well but, um, um what well, who's leading us out we didn't cover that uh i'll defer you can you go defer. ahead okay phil, and lead us so out. phil okay. you're gonna you're gonna start oh, man yeah yeah let's do it so um okay i guess i'll, I'll start by saying that uh uh my little, I wrote, I have a little list of stuff and, um, oh, nice. a man because who comes I, I came prepared. ready and, uh, yeah, yeah exactly. Like that. and That's good. That's good. I know I, I normally find myself on the, on your end of this argument. So I'm, I'm excited. This is a nice mental exercise for me to have to, yeah. to be, to fight against what I do at my own place. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. uh, I think, I think I'm going to start with this and come at it from a, um, purely a, like an energy uh, perspective, which is that, mm -hmm. um, when you hold, house things solo, you are increasing the amount of 
money you have to spend on energy bills every month. That to me is like, you know, if I had to say, cause that's again, cause I keep everything solo at my place. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's a huge cost to have to add cage after cage after cage after cage and light after light after light. And, you know, um, I had to move, you know, a, a couple of years ago, I had to move from, um, one home and, or I had to move my, all my reptiles into a shop. And, you know, if I had half the number of cages, I might've saved myself some, some back pain from all the heavy lifting <laughs> and move because of course, Euromastics, it's, all stones and logs and gravel and heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. Um, and so just the number of animals, or I mean, excuse me, the, um, when you're, when you're housing, housing things alone, the number of stuff and, 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 and material and material cost stacks up way, way, way more than if you're housing things, um, communally, uh, mm-hmm. in most cases. So I'd say that's like, it, it, the first thing anyway that jumps to my mind is that yeah um, especially okay. yeah yeah i i got gotcha. you um i think mm-hmm. you know as far as uh um if you're gonna cohab stuff so now mm-hmm. I, i'm going uh, the the cons of of cohabbing and you're going pro no no you're I, going pro i'm going pro thought, okay yeah so yeah, that yeah. sounds like a point for me right so if you if you house things together um you would have less uh caging well he's saying yeah but he's saying that he saves money no i think he's saying he saves money because well he spends money but if if he were to uh cohab stuff he would be saving money he's he's but he's he's kind of the example of your argument so he's using the counter (laughs) the example of the counter it is kind of confusing but i knew exactly what the fuck he was saying yeah i was like are you making points for me or (laughs) no (laughs) yeah no i don't concede man (laughs) okay no sorry about that i didn't know i I try to steal points wherever i can yes he does (laughs) (laughs) but uh, i i guess um you know with with cohabitation too you you do require larger caging right and, mm-hmm. and more space yep. because you do need to give the animals the chance to to get out of the way and things but i think yeah. you know as far as uh well i don't know that it may save much because you got to have multiple basking sites perhaps too to so they don't sure fight over where they can warm themselves up so i guess sure. i'm kind of making points for you here too but <laughs> the the uh, <laughs> I, uh i think the the uh the i I think my my main thing, especially with when you're cohabbing the same species, is mm-hmm. that uh, they will really cue into each other's reproductive cycles. So a lot of times you won't even see them breed because mm-hmm. they know when it's going to be productive and when it's time to breed. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you keep them singly and you introduce them, they're all you know they're right at it, and it may yeah. or may not be productive. The female may or may not be receptive, and things like that. Sure. So if you're cohabbing yeah. them. You kind of skip that, you know, uh, what's this? This is a female. I haven't seen a female in six months. I'm going to grab her and, you know, go to town or whatever. And and it sure. may not be, be good. So you're wasting the male's energy and you're also, mm-hmm. you know, having the female get harassed when she's not ready to reproduce. And, you know, some yeah. reptiles, that's not a big deal. Like the chameleons will show their disapproval and you can mm-hmm. tell pretty quick if they, you know, turn black or whatever, you'd be like, okay, I'm going to pull, pull the male. But some, sure. you know, you don't really, you, 
can't tell if they're receptive or not. You know? Yeah. Um, you, you, you could definitely, I, I could see a way that you, you could, you could invert that too, um, about the breeding and timing, because mm-hmm. I actually happen to agree with you on that point, which with my, with my Euromastics anyway, they're housed solo all the time. And I think the fact that I, the only time they see each other is in the springtime when it's time to breed adds to when they normally would do that. But I have a friend um, who lives in New York and he also breeds Euromastics and he um, makes these beautiful, huge, elaborate enclosures um, with multiple hiding places and these subterranean burrows that he puts inside the the cages with heating, Mm -hmm. heating pads in the, in the burrow. And his, his animals are housed together all year round unless Mm -hmm. he has to separate them. Mm -hmm. And his, he has the opposite thing playing into his favor, which is that his animals never miss a mating opportunity. So, you know, yeah. So like housing them separately, you could in theory, you know, Mm -hmm. because it happens all the time, right? We all have, at least those of us like you guys who keep several of one species, sometimes they're off, right? They're not on the exact same cycle all the time. And they're not Mm -hmm. on the, on the, on the same, um, uh, like seasonal schedule. And, um, as much as keeping stuff together can throw that off too, because, you know, maybe disparities in nutrient availability and stuff like that can mess with what seasonally is happening. Um, the same thing could be said of, of, um, not having them in the paired up and in the same cage together, like ready to go when the time Mm -hmm. comes, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then kind of just growing a little bit onto that argument would be, um, you know, we talk about breeding and there's all this, there's a lot of nuances and subtlety to breeding behavior, depending on what species of herb we're talking about. Right. And, um, I think it's arguable that it's, you might see a little bit more variety of, um, just general reptilian behavior when you have two animals housed together all the time, because, um, you know, maybe if you're only doing solo introductions for breeding that are brief, you might just get that small slice of um, behavior layer. Whereas if you were observing animals in the wild or in a communal setting where they're otherwise hanging out together outside of breeding, there might be all kinds of other interesting displays and behaviors and interactions that you might miss because they're not around one another all the time. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think that's an excellent point. And I just, I, I mean, in, in my keeping, I, you know, and, and cohabbing, I think mm-hmm. the amount of data that you can get by observing two animals cohabitating together is, mm-hmm. is much greater than if you're just doing separate, uh, you know, separate keeping and, and introductions. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I think you get to see that around the site, you know, around the year. So you get it in, in almost, you know, more, more of a, uh, a complete cycle versus, you know, only a, a, a slice of the pie kind of, yeah. uh, if I could kind of dice that up into a, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a yeah. mental pie chart there. Yeah. Sure. And I'm, I, you know, I think that goes kind of back to that adage of, you know, it depends on the species too, because if, oh, yeah. you, know, if, you, For if sure. you have tortoises, sometimes they'll just drive a female to death. You know, they'll try to <laughs> mate her every chance mm-hmm. they get. Now, if yep. you have, you know, 10 females in there with him, Mm-hmm. You know, he, he may spread that out. He may yeah. hump himself to different death. females. Yeah. He, he oh, might, yeah. You know, yeah. he might get tired and stop yeah. for a while, but I yeah, don't know. Tortoises are like energizer bunnies. Well, but. And then I, I've, I've heard this. Um, I, I heard someone else talking about this. I don't remember exactly where, but um, other people who were talking about when you keep a group of reptiles together, um, let's say it's a single male with multiple females, again, depending on species, mm-hmm. um, 
the guys talk a lot about the males having a favorite female, mm-hmm. right? And so that you might there's there's situations where you know maybe the male does his job with three out of four of the females, but the fourth female either has like a low fertility rate or none, and yeah. it's she just wasn't out at the same time when he was, or maybe wasn't you know maybe she was getting picked on by one of the other females. Um, I I was just going to say too because you mentioned tortoises and, and euros are just like tortoises in that regard. Mm-hmm. They will the males will just hound the females and and at least it, at my place with the way i have them set mm-hmm. up they just beat the snot out of each mm-hmm. other and and so i choose to intentionally keep them apart now there are a handful of rare exceptions to the constantly apart thing which is um individuals who are especially cryptic or shy mm-hmm. so um Euromastix yemenensis uh, most of the adults that i have except for a few are wild caught and um, also with my Xenogama taylori, they're very flighty. Just, I mean, the you know, you get a handful that are super chill and whatever, and the captive bred are something different. But the ones that are wild are so skittish and so flighty. Um, I can't imagine how you'd get them to breed if you didn't house them together for extended periods of time, if not mm-hmm. all year round. And um, also my Xenogama are the example of they, they have an in, inverted cycle. So for some reason, they're all breeding right now in the winter time in December and January, but, um, every, everything else normally breeds in the spring. Right. But for some reason they just were on an inverted schedule. And had I been keeping them solo, uh, like I do with a lot of the euros, I just, just would have gotten a bunch of dud eggs. Yeah. 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 And that's, I think, um, you know, keeping, you know, with, uh, multiple males, you know, some species need multiple males to, to get the job done. I, I think oh, yeah. uh, a lot of the scrub pythons, you know, I always had the misconception that scrub males would just absolutely kill each other, but then Chuck's got, you know, 2.1. And yeah, I don't know know. who's putting that out there in the world. Thanks a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, you know, you know, having that, um, some of the misconceptions about the, and I think, you know, monitors to a great extent were kind of, kind of fell under that where everybody assumed they were, um, antisocial, you know, loners that maybe met up once every year to, to mate or whatever, but you know, they found that if you keep, you know, keep them together from an early age, they kind of recognize each other, you know, and, and are familiarized with each other so they can be cohabitated together. Whereas if you raise them singly and then put them together, they might kill each other, you know, because they don't recognize each other. And, you know, there's a lot of things that go into that scent cues Mm -hmm. and, you know, marking and each, you know, they might have their territory. And so that's where it gets a little complex because we're trying to do this in a box, you know, and sometimes the box Mm -hmm. is a little small. And so, you know, if you, I think, uh, another cool example of that is the, the, is it the side blotch lizards? They have, you know, three oh, different yeah. colors and they have <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. you know, one's like the, the lover, not the one's the fighter, yeah. one's the lover and one's the sneaky, something like that, you know, where they, yes. they all have different roles. Right. And so if you had just one male in, he might be the bully and you need to have, you know, a lot of females so he wouldn't just beat up on one or something. Um, totally. But if you just had a pair, you know, you could, it might negatively impact the female or, or you might have greater success with a colony where you have, several different males and a lot of different and they, you know kind of have a but you need a lot of space for that you know like, Wait, yeah are to, you to, saying to that right. side blotch lizards need orgies is that like <laughs> well they, they just have I'm different out of this not, not necessarily they're just like different uh, mating strategies so like 
a male oh, a that's mating like strategy. Okay, yeah, that's a, a better a word. male yeah. that's uh, yeah. tough. You know, he's he has to defend his females or his you know, and so he's he's wasting a lot of energy trying to fight the other males. Whereas the other male may not be tough, but he's sneaky, so he'll kind of sneak uh, okay. in there, and you know, yeah. and and then others are kind of maybe more monogamous, so they just have one female or something, and yeah. like the favorite female kind of idea, but. And it's like it's it's there's somebody for everybody strategy. (laughs) Exactly. I gotcha. (laughs) In Cyblotched, it's denoted by color, right? So like the like the red ones are the bullies and the blue ones are the like more monogamous ones, and the green ones are the ones that like sneak in when one male's distracted and go mate with a female when he's not looking in bail, you know. And they're but they do this, but they develop these colors based up because of the 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 you know, so like if I was the bully. I would color up red because that's bright. It's intimidating. It's that's the question. Like that, or, yeah, or, I don't know. or yeah. is that, or, yeah. you know, you well, which wonder. came first, the color or the, behavior, <laughs> the, or the behavior. Behavior. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what's going yeah, on. Which, that's yeah. a good and question. It, I, I don't know if they've worked that out or if it's always like know. a set, set in stone rule or what, but they, yeah, they showed yeah. that the color kind of yeah. gave their personality to. I want to know now. So cool. I want to know now. <laughs> it could be environmental. Maybe the the behavior they exhibit influences what color they become. I don't know. That's, right, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. And I'd be I would be curious to know if they change ever. You know, because um, yeah. like maybe you you mentioned the environment, Justin, and I wonder mm-hmm. if like you know maybe in certain environmental circumstances they might drive more males to be more um, defensive of females, or might drive more males to be more sneaky and and snipe females when they're when the other male's not looking at yeah. man, there's so much richness. Yeah. 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 And, and uh, lizard divert or lizard behavior is pretty complex too. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. we always think of reptiles as simplistic, but they have a pretty yeah. diverse, uh, you know, array of, of, yeah. uh, behavior. That's really fascinating. I got that. True. What's that book? Uh, the, the secret lives of reptiles, secret social lives. Yeah. Secret, yeah. So I, I need to read yeah. that. And, that would have been a good I, one to read for this topic. <laughs> There's I know, probably a lot I of stuff in there, but yeah, yeah <laughs> we'll I have know. to revisit I, it someday. Yeah, and, and we'll, we'll, yeah. we can do it after again. we read the book. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Cool. Yeah, but I want to hear the. I want the book report. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I think uh, another really good aspect of of communal keeping is sometimes when you can do uh, different species in the same exhibit. Oh yeah. Um, I think one of my favorite zoo exhibits was at the. Um, Western Australia, the Perth Museum or Perth Zoo, where they have this, uh, in their reptile room, they've got this giant, like open air, um, like glass sided, uh, lizard enclosure. And they have frilled dragons, bearded dragons, shingleback skinks, Western blue tongues, like gidgies, like all these different species of of reptile in there. And, and like, they'll, you know, put a, put a plate of veggies or something in the middle and all the skinks come running, you know, they'll, yeah. they'll throw some bugs in there and the frilled lizard will jump down and grab one and go back <laughs> up its log and stuff. Um, but of course, you know, I'm sure there can, uh, can be some negative aspects to that, but I just oh, think yeah. it's cool to, you know, it's, it's a very large enclosure, but that's kind of like a dream for me someday to just have a room. I can go in and sit down and see a bunch of different species interacting yep. like mm-hmm. you would potentially in nature. You know, I sure I was telling Chuck on a previous episode and maybe this is a repeat, but mm-hmm. when I was in, uh, Singapore, I went to the Singapore zoo and I asked somebody oh, yeah. if there were any like wild monitors on the, on the site. And they yeah. told me, you know, go down this area. So I went down, I found a couple of uh, spitting cobras that were hanging out under a rock. And then I saw this, uh, 
water monitor. And so I went and was trying to take pictures of it and it starts climbing up a tree. It was a smaller one and it scared yeah. a Draco, <laughs> the, the flying wow. lizard that flew to another tree. And then it was interacting with a flying lizard above it, you know, like this is my yeah. tree, get out of here, this, you know, behavior. Man. And then, yeah, you know, so it was just like, paradise it was really a that's, cool place that, and, and you got to see all these different reptiles interacting or having behaviors or whatever it was really cool that yeah. is so awesome man i yeah. i used to um keep i used to do breed a lot of collared lizards and yeah. um yeah. like like four or five uh maybe six uh, different species quite a few I, I was really i still love them honestly I, yeah if there weren't if there weren't laws in in colorado that yeah. prevent me from keeping them i i would keep all of them all, mm-hmm. all day all day every day but i used to put the uh, Crotophytes vestigium, the the Baja collared lizards that I had, mm-hmm. um, I would rotate females in with the males because I didn't like to keep my collared lizards together either. I would keep females together, but n- never keep them with males. Mm-hmm. And um, when I had an extra female who maybe didn't have a good place to go, I would always put them in with my chuckwallas because oh, the big, yeah. you know, the the adult chucks they would bask, you know, the chucks would be here and the collared lizard would be basking right here. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, ah, that, maybe I need more basking areas, but but either way, um, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, they. they got along all it, right they did and the um usually the ones that were housed with the chuckwallas were the ones that most often ate greens oddly mm. enough um, mm. because collared lizards are supposed to occasionally eat greens and flowers but you know it's kind of hard to get them to do that and i wonder if it's almost like a like a if it's like a motion thing where they see the chucks eating the greens and then that you know the collared lizard would come over and eat the greens that like, i think mm. it was mo- moving yeah. or chuck invites it, you over for dinner yeah, yeah, or, or yeah. exactly, yeah. Or, or or if it's like a uh, like a like a like a microbiome kind of thing, mm-hmm. like like they need the bacteria in the gut to like crave a gr- you know greens mm-hmm. in the first place, mm-hmm. and I mean I that's a little far fetched in my mind, but you know you I never don't know. know like yeah the <laughs> the micro or the gut microbiome yeah. is a complex thing. There's a totally. lot of different things. Well, like, and, and, and if, if there's if there's yeah. something that actually cues them to start. And, and yeah. kind of creates that 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 gut flora that that kind of oh, that, gets yeah, us, you know gets it gets it going like I that that's that, a good point that makes great sense to me mm-hmm. yeah, that's a that's a that's a really good point and actually um you just somehow I don't know why this triggered this in my mind but um I have another argument uh for communal housing because um it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately mm-hmm. because I'm I'm normally a staunch advocate of solo housing it, yeah. given specific contexts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and okay. So there's a whole separate discussion to be had and I swear I'm going to bring this back. So forgive me if it <laughs> no, gets a little turn. Um, we all know that there's a big discussion to be had around genetic diversity and inbreeding depression and all these things within captive reptiles. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, normally I've thought about solo housing in the past as, a way of controlling a little bit what, you know, because if you keep animals solo, you don't get any unwanted mating, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, you only get mating with the animal that you want them to mate with for the sure. most part, yeah. unless there's some parthenogenic stuff going on and um, what have you. But, mm-hmm. um, and I have said a lot lately um, with other friends and other herpers uh, that we are in, as, as the, as the, kind of the guiding force behind a captive group of lizards we are an imperfect selector so you know we people like to talk about stuff oh that was the runt of the litter and that's the pick of the clutch and it's like well that's really arbitrary and we don't really know what to look for because we're not nature right when you house stuff communally not just pairs but in larger groups 
you're going to get a lot more um, randomness and a lot more just kind of chaotic mating, Mm -hmm. which might be beneficial long term. So stuff like, um, you know, for stuff like Egernia, which, um, you know, I've read a handful of the random field studies on Egernia and they talk about how closely related some of them are to like the, yeah. they're really tight they family. family groups. Yeah. yeah. Family groups. Right. And so, yeah. um, that probably lends itself well to captivity where you're going to have relatively mm-hmm. low genetic diversity anyway. But when you have stuff like, um, that lives more dispersed and only encounters each other at certain times of year, it might be really beneficial to have a group of random animals all thrown together, let it all play out and kind of not know exactly who's the father of that clutch and like, which, you know what I'm saying? It, yeah. it might be kind of beneficial long-term. I mean, it, totally hypo- hypothetical, but. Well, I mean, it would, it would maybe model nature better if you're, you know, letting them select who, yeah. who breeds and they, they're the judge of who's the strongest or most dominant or who yeah. you know, is the best and, looking to them, you know, that right, kind of thing. Right. Other than and, us and picking it. One of the things that made me think of that recently was I was listening to a podcast that was talking about axolotls mm-hmm. and they were saying how the, the main, whatever organization that controls the bulk of captive axolotl production, mm-hmm. um, they randomize their holdback process, mm-hmm. right? So instead of like, oh, that one's, I like that one. I'm going to keep that one. It's more of like a, they put all the, you know, 10,000 axolotls that they breed any given year into one big tub, mix it all up and then take a net out and you know scoop yeah. out whatever random <laughs> smattering of axolotl you get. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that was a way for them to address. I mean, I, if I say any more, I'd be putting words in their mouth and I don't want to do that. But I think, <laughs> yeah. I think you guys know what I'm, what I'm, where, where I'm getting at with that. Yeah. You know? yeah. We, we definitely don't do much randomization in our selection. Yeah. Right? And they, right. I think that that would be a benefit of having a large, you know, enclosure and yeah. letting them select and, and having multiple sites where they can escape, you know, so the, if the male's chasing another male, he can get away yeah. without getting damaged too much. But right. Yeah. Right. Cause that's totally. definitely a, a, you know, the, the downside of that is you, you can have issues like that. You know, you might have a, yeah. a frilled lizard that grabs a skink and bites off a leg or something, you know, those kind of yeah. things could happen with that. So you need to totally. be careful of that. But, um, yeah. I, I, I like, uh, I like the idea of, of trying to replicate nature, but it, it gets tricky, you know, when you have a finite space, I think that's where sure. like outdoor pits come in into play. And, um, yeah. another cool example of that is the tucson uh desert park or yeah uh, that place is awesome and they have yeah, the like desert a museum. lot of yeah the desert museum they have a lot of outdoor yeah. pits and um yeah. we, we've recently visited uh, bob ashley's place out in uh new mexico and nice. he's got a bunch of outdoor pits and has like gila monsters and you know different <sighs> lizards and stuff and in, in some of the different pits and yeah. um so you're able to go out and kind of see them and in, in their natural habitat. And I mean, he'll have like road runners get in and grab some lizards and t- you know, eat them and stuff, take off. So yeah. it's, you know, that's how nature is. So, you know, they, I, I, I I do think that you you do the, you'll run the risk of having your reptiles behave very differently when keeping them outside. I know I was talking to Frank Reedy's and he said that when he would uh, keep like Aki's outdoors, they would just go nuts because everything's a predator. They're always looking at the skies. You'd never see them out. They'd always be undercover. You know, they're yeah. a lot more shy than they would be in you know in a controlled environment in a, in a cage or something. So totally, yeah, you know, it's it's uh it's a different, di- completely different 
behavior than you might see in a smaller enclosure. And, yeah. and when you throw it factor in the sun, I mean, reptiles are definitely, especially for heliothermic reptiles that need the sun and, and are yeah. diurnal, um, you're going to see completely different behaviors. And so mm-hmm. like Chuck was saying, you know, that was, that'd be really, you, you might see completely different things than you might mm-hmm. otherwise see. Yeah. And, uh, you mentioned, um, having other, you know, like a frilled dragon in a communal setup somewhere, maybe taking a bite of an arm of some other lizard in the cage too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually happened to me last year with one of my Xenogama. I had, mm-hmm. um, a little female in with a male. It was just meant to be a, a breeding introduction. Mm-hmm. And with those, I've been housing them, um, in, in little groups or pairs. And, um, I went to clean the cage one day and I lifted up one of the hides and the females, her whole arm was just yeah. mu- mutilated yeah. by, by the male. Oh, um, shoot. And yeah, exactly. And she ended up losing it. It, 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 you know, pinched and just f- fell off, um, you know, uh, cause it was, mm-hmm. it was pretty messed up, yeah. you know, so yeah. I put a little, ointment on it and you could tell it was just going to fall off anyway so i was like Mm -hmm. all right let just let this happen and and that's another thing that i'm actually arguing your point of it now which is that (laughs) you you run the risk of an injury and when you know when you house things solo you have almost zero percent unless they injure themselves which is less likely but Mm -hmm. um but yeah, no, no, I, it but just I mean, reminded me. But, but, but I mean, in theory, like if you're introducing the, that same thing could happen on introduction, right? Like, you know, oh, I mean, it, totally. it, it, yeah. it, it, it is a risk when you put two animals in contact with each other. Um, sure. I mean, you make a good point. What I do a lot, I used to do it with the collared lizards and now I do it with the euros and with the chucks sometimes is you know, I'll put two males in the same cage with plexiglass in between them. And just let them duke it out and and kind of fight and do their thing and you know get them fired up and then you put a female in there or something like that um, yeah. and it's 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 pretty fun but um, I, I have to admit there are definitely a lot of times when I I wish I housed stuff together um, whether it be for the space or whether it be for seeing more stuff or not missing opportunity um, you know it it's it, it, and I also think communal housing is probably a little less time consuming you probably you have fewer cages to address at any given point in time so you have fewer chores to do whereas when you have stuff like mine you got literally hundreds of cages that you have to go through and you know scoop out and clean and like the the, the general maintenance technically doubles mm. um at least yeah. almost doubles yeah i i mean i i do keep uh keep a lot of my pythons together and and trying to feed you know when there's two snakes in one cage (laughs) trying to feed them is it's it's very difficult you got to really you know have a have a good system down i i've got a some cool cages that have like a a subterranean hide and they're fitted with like a pipe so i can Mm -hmm. screw on like a pipe uh you know, lid on there to keep them, you know, keep one down below and one up above. And so you can feed them a lot easier that way. So you kind of have to innovate a little bit to keep them separated. Mm -hmm. And if you have, you know, truly a a very large, like walk-in size enclosure with multiple animals, usually they're not, I I guess some species might hang out next to each other, but sometimes they'll kind of pick their spots. Yeah, but you know what I've had, I've had a male, I've had my diamond pythons. I've had the, the male just kind of drop its food and then go over and then try and take the female's food and they just end up fighting each other. And it's like, Oh, come (laughs) on. Like, and you know, it's, it's like, 
you'll, you'll get away with it once you'll have like, you'll, you'll feed them together and you're like, ah, this is perfect. It's great. And yeah. there's nothing, but then, you know, it's just like when you have those, like when you get, when you get a, a two good sized scrubs fighting each other, cause you were co-having yeah. them and you're trying to peel them off each other. That's when you're like, oh, All right, yeah. this, there's just rules. It's there's just rules to this <laughs> yeah. co-ab stuff yeah. and feeding but, separately is one of them. But I would, I have found that they usually work it out. Like I've never had, oh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I guess I've had one, one death that I, I would attribute to uh, feeding response gone bad. And mm-hmm. unfortunately it was a pair that I imported from Europe and, and then um, the guy did, wasn't successful the following year. So I wasn't able to get an, a replacement male. So I've got a lone female from this, yeah. you know, yeah. locality that doesn't have a male to pair up with her. But yeah. Um, and I so, agree. I mean, most of mine, but sort for the out, most part, they, who, who yeah. wants to risk the, you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's, you want to risk your diamond yeah, python it, or just, something. Right. It's, it's just yeah. a good, it's just a good practice to say like, okay, I, you know, I separate yeah. the feed when I cohab. So mm-hmm. sure. Sure. Here, and I, I read a, an interesting post uh by uh keith mcpeak um he was talking about when he um has hatchlings he'll leave them together and he finds that when they when they kind of feel each other crawling over each Mm -hmm. other you know after they hatch they're less likely to be you know be worried about you know contact with other things so they're not so defensive or freaked Mm -hmm. out or and it also you know somehow they they kind of develop a little more strength so they're you know i guess i don't know if they have to fight for their space or whatever but and i and i'll i'll house my hatchlings together for you know a Mm -hmm. month or two maybe before they shed i I mean if you wait too long they can start eating each other and i've have had cannibalism in (laughs) hatchling uh, anteresia python so you want to you know yeah and and it doesn't end well for either of them like the one that yeah, you know, eats imagine. the other one usually dies because it's just such uh, a large meal so it's yeah, yeah it's a bummer you usually use lose two animals that way but um and i you know i've learned i i it hasn't happened that often but it happened once or twice and i'm just yeah. like oh man i need to separate these guys quicker so <laughs> but but i you know i did find that when you know until their first shed they're always together they're mm-hmm. rat, they're in a ball like just yeah. right on top of each other yep and so sure. um I, obviously they probably do that in nature too once they hatch they hang out you know with the mom mm-hmm. or or together wherever they hatched but i don't know i mean maybe that's just an artifact of of captivity maybe you know hanging out together might have stronger scent so a predator might find them and just go oh here's a whole ball of pythons and eat them all you know so maybe dispersal is a good idea but and you also see sometimes like electric do blue day geckos yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like yeah. you're a dead you're you're a dead mamma jamma if you're if you're a baby still in the cage uh-huh. <laughs> the females will take them out oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah males, um, females yeah. they're they're aggressive huh. they're aggressive they're, they're, yeah there there has been some reports of of rattlesnakes you know guarding their offspring and and mm-hmm. the babies hang out with the adults for a little yeah. longer you know than i think the, it, def- it definitely mm-hmm. depends on the species i mean I think, yeah you know, yeah mm-hmm. however well i mean even within the same uh genre so even with euros you know um some animals like the Euromastix ornata, I'm able to house them together. One, you know, because it's I do the same thing with with new clutches. They all they're housed together, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It would, it would yeah. be it would be insane to try to house every baby euro alone. It would just be out of control. But yeah. with some of them, you actually have to. So like um, Euromastix flava fasciata, Maliensis, um, nigriventris, dispar dispar. So that whole dispar complex with this mm-hmm. with the single exception of Euromastix jri. They 
murder each other right like the yes oh right from the get-go they are aggressive they're so grumpy i mean even Uh even baby uromastics tomasai i have i'll take whole clutches out you know they all pop out of the eggs i get it go to put them in their uh brooder tub and you'll see little babies doing push-ups at each other like Hmm. hey i don't don't like this you know or get it back (laughs) off buddy and 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 it's such a strange thing that some of them hate it and some you know right away they make it Mm -hmm. so clear no get out of my space right now you know whereas some of them don't um Hmm. i am i'm i'm very lucky that i have a number of other friends who also keep euros and almost all of them, except for one or two do it, ex- do it the total opposite for me. They're doing it mm-hmm. totally differently. They house everything together, pairs, mm-hmm. babies, etc. And they've one guy in particular, my friend, Nick Alexander, who um, he's, he's hatched a, a handful of species and he's growing his crew and he's doing a killer job over there. Mm-hmm. He insists on, on cohabbing his animals because well, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I know one of the reasons is that he says that they're more friendly when they're communal because, Mm -hmm. you know, there's less of a big flight response when something shows up. He, he also keeps all his stuff in front opening enclosures and all of mine are top entry. Mm -hmm. So it's a little different, but, um, you know, uh, I have noticed that clutches of babies do tend to be more relaxed. There's so many of them. And as long as one of them, you know, as soon as they learn that, you know, after it takes like four or five days, but once they learn that you're just bringing them food, mm-hmm. that that flight response disappears, and then it'll reemerge when you split them up, mm-hmm. and 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 so that's been a it's actually been kind of a downside because a, a lot of the people who buy my Euromastics buy them for as pets, yeah, and and so you know they want it to be really friendly, and so it's hard because that transition is so stressful for the animal and so scary mm-hmm. that they they tend to revert back to being flighty, whereas. Um, granted they would have to quarantine either way, but if there was a situation where they were, you know, if we could find out what you need to really make them communal, mm-hmm. it might be more beneficial for taming because the other guys there's Nick. And then there's my friend Camille hammers over in the Netherlands, yeah. ha- uh, hammerhead reptiles. Uh-huh. Um, he also keeps everything together, but he has empty cages all year round that he's ready in case one's there's too much aggression. Mm-hmm. He'll split, yeah. you know, which, which I think is a nice middle ground. I like the way he does things. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, so that's, that's just another consideration. And I think, you know, the, what, how tame that animal is, maybe it doesn't matter unless you're really wanting a pet. Then mm-hmm. it's like, all right, you know, now it's a big, important thing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 you mentioned the top opening versus front opening too, because like, mm-hmm. you know, a predator of a, a Euro is going to come from the top. And so, oh, yeah. you know, you, yeah. if they're, if they're maybe front opening, they're, they're less yeah. stressed out or they, they don't think it's a predator coming in cause they're, yep. you know, head height or body height or whatever. So, yep. um, that, you know, and I, this, this may be completely off the rails, but you know, maybe, <laughs> um, communally housed animals there's some epigenetic changes that occur and that are passed on to the babies where they're like you know some social type you know, sure uh, epigenetic change might might be Ooh. passed on it's it's you know a possibility it. and if you if you're singly housing your adults and introducing them then yeah. they're maybe less social and so they pass that trait on mm-hmm. to their not genetically but through their right you know that that behavior right. and the different dna uh, modifications yeah. That's a great, that's a, that's also a really interesting point. You know, um, I know a handful of guys who, uh, mostly in Europe who breed Thomas mm-hmm. and, um, several of them, you've seen them put the, uh, the babies, the whole clutch right back in with mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And it's like, in my mind, 
that's like the worst thing you could oh my god that's terrifying you know like i've <laughs> i've had male tomasai kill adult females in like 20 minutes wow. like it just it was an accident it was a, sure. years and years and years ago I, mm-hmm. I put a female in with a male and um i went to i was like he was doing his push-ups and she was gonna flip over so i was like all right i'll leave him for a few minutes and see what happens went and did my little rounds of cleaning mm-hmm. came back and he had just just uh, killed her man sure. yeah it was yeah. it was just awful you know and yeah. um now i just never leave him i just wash mm-hmm. all but mm-hmm. but anyway that uh it's an interesting consideration because um, they had, you know, great footage of just little baby coming out, sharing food with mom and dad, picking from the same bowl. And I yeah. just, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, and there's yeah. like we were talking about before, there's beneficial things they can pick up from the scats, you know, that kind of thing, getting, yeah. getting that microflora from the adults and things. That's, uh, that's, that happens in the wild all the time. You oh, know, yeah. Where the yep. babies will eat the scat of the adult and oh, yeah. get those beneficial bacteria. So, yeah, yep. that's, uh, you know, obviously these are, you know, kind of, we're kind of working into areas that nobody really knows the answer, but, you know, it's fun to think yeah. about and, and it could be yeah. somebody's PhD project or something down the road, but. Poop pirating. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I don't know they have to do it. I mean, yeah. the, the Euro, the Euros and the Chucks, at least it's mm-hmm. a, well-defined everybody you know yeah. it's like in all the old care sheets they're like no you got to put poop of the adults in with the babies and they eat it they hmm. i mean it's the first thing they look for it's hilarious you know wow. you should take these big pellets from the adults and you can either crumble them up or you put in the whole pellet and you and put in this one snack. long log and all of them just come snack on the turd really? that's cool yeah, yeah. I, i'd seen that with uh, tortoises but i yeah i didn't know yeah. the euros did that that's cool I'll send you a video. I have, I have yeah. I, every year I take a video of it. Cause it's like, this is just the weirdest, weirdest behavior, <laughs> yeah. you know? And um, it's interesting it too, that it would stick through in captivity, you know, just cause yeah, yeah. yeah we don't have um, necessarily the same microflora that they might experience in the wild, maybe right. from an import, but like from captive yeah, bred yeah. over generations. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to change how that right? changes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, the other one too is, uh, um, Oh, wait a minute. Oh yeah. 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 So, um, even though this is also kind of arguing your point, which is, um, <laughs> and it, and I thought of it because of the, the, the poo, um, mm-hmm. c- communication of diseases. I mean, I would imagine this would be yeah. your, y- y- cause you're a virologist, aren't you? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah that's, that's yeah. amazing, man. Yeah. So, um, when you solo house, you're probably less likely to see transmission of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, um, there are times when I wonder if, keeping solo isn't kind of detrimental for gut flora in some, some regard, because like, I would imagine that if, cause the common conjecture is that Euromastics are the kind of North African and middle Eastern Chuckwalla, mm-hmm. uh, e- ecologically speaking. Right. Yeah. And when I go out here and I find Chucks, they're never alone. Yeah. There's, there's Chucks all over one big rock pile. And mm-hmm. I, we stick um, together. Yeah. Right. You just, <laughs> Totally. I always see Chuck with his family. That's, yeah. that's, that's correct. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And you, and you, and you kind of got to wonder, cause if when I've had animals that are, you know, maybe they come down with a parasite overload or something and, um, it, it, it kind of gets out of hand and it's time to medicate, which is, is very rare, but it does happen. Yeah. And I, and, um, at one point I remember just kind of getting a weird thought in my head and I took, there was an animal, an ornate euro that I had just medicated for worms. Um, and after its second dose of Panicure, I actually gave, I put in a pellet or two from other healthy euros back in with that animal and she ate it. She went right after their poo and ate mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. so 
in my mind at the time I was thinking, okay, maybe she just kind of knows that there's something in there beneficial for her. But then I was like, no, it's probably more likely that in the wild, they probably do it from time to time for various reasons. I mean, there's, there's mm-hmm. who, who knows why, right. But there could conceivably be like totally unknown reasons why euros might perform. There's a name for it. It's like, um, like a phagy of, you know, something, something phagy that refers Copper to like, phagy, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. It, it, damn. That's awesome. Yeah. I wish <laughs> I could remember that, but yeah. And I think, yeah. So it was just a, just a fun experiment I was trying to mess around with and totally unscientific of course, but, um, yeah. it's one of those things that I wonder about and I wonder, you know, if like maybe animals that are housed together, instead of thinking it as like a disease vulnerability uh, frame of mind, maybe it's super beneficial. Maybe it's just like they get less sick less often because there's enough other pro-social behaviors going on that reduce stress or whatever. I mean, it, obviously, I'm thinking specifically with Euromastics, but there's mm-hmm. so, so many other reptiles to that do it totally differently right so yeah i mean you definitely have to have to do it right you know you have to kind of try to match what they're going to have in the wild so that that Mm -hmm. becomes very difficult sometimes especially Mm -hmm. in a limited you know space setting or something but um i i like I, I remember seeing a presentation about bull and I, and it was showing these wild bullens on a, on basically a hill of, of crap, you know, shed, old shed skins, <laughs> yeah. feces and stuff. And that's where they would hang out. That, that was their living quarters, right? They'd yeah. grow down in that stuff and, and, uh, you know, ah, the old crap whatever. house. Yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then, and then you'd see like this keeper was keeping them pristine. Like, yeah. was, like anytime they'd poop, I just clean it up immediately. And you're like, they're trying to mark their territory or have their, I mean, I don't see the, you know, the disconnect between like yeah. what they're doing and what they're doing in the wild, you know, and it's like, sure. why aren't we having success with these things? <laughs> Man, like, I, maybe you're missing, you know, that kind of aspect, but um, you know, what's the balance, you know, how, how much, you know, feces and shed skin do you allow to <laughs> accumulate and how big of a space is there? Is, is there ammonia in the, you know, in there in right. the cage because you don't have enough airflow or, or room in there. But and, I, I did hear there was somebody keeping white lip pythons or, or some species like like that and and they basically would just add new bedding on and mm. they wouldn't clean out the old bedding they just add like new comp, on top of it and there were okay. like you know bugs and like uh I, I don't know what kind of isopods or whatever they had right. in there but they had bugs to kind of chew it up a little bit but but they just kept adding and the pythons would actually have these little burrow systems inside of this stuff Whoa. and he was very successful like bred them and, and they were very successful and did well for him because That's they crazy. probably were living a natural life you know like more so yeah. than, than a lot of other keepers they're keeping them on paper or something you know and cleaning them out sure. every week or something so sure. I, I do think there are some you know potential benefits but but finding that balance is is can be really difficult you know and, oh, yeah. and you might mess your animals up more than than you know if you if you do it incorrectly so yeah, yeah. that's the risk i mean there's so many that's a really interesting interesting point and, and when you were talking about the the bolins out in the wild and them have it being living in a big pile of crap and shed it's like not just what kind of bacteria buildup is happening there mm-hmm. but also like maybe there's some other critter that takes advantage of that resource who's gut flora is also beneficial to the bolins, you know, or like mm-hmm. is really, really helpful or, or 
who the heck knows? There's yeah. so many crazy fun could, things. Could to be think a lot about, of you know? things that could happen there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and 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 uh, with my with my Euromastics anyway, when I have housed them together, um, speaking of feces anyway, um, when they're solo, they have a very specific crap area mm-hmm. where they they're like, this is where I go to the bathroom just about every day, and sometimes I can kind of migrate through the cage depending on the length of time we're talking about. Yeah. But when, when they're housed in a group, like if I have a couple of pairs where they, they need to be housed together um, and they, I need to leave them together for a few weeks at a time in order to ensure that mating happens, um, that throws that whole thing, the potty area out of whack. Really? And all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden they crap all over the cage. Um, and then the male, uh, I'm sure you guys have seen it. They spin and mark just like a lot of lizards do. And, <laughs> uh-huh they leave it's crazy because there's like an actual substance that's excreted onto the stone uh-huh. that's really really difficult to to wash off the stone uh-huh. or or the log or whatever it may be yeah. and the only way it comes off of the females is when they shed uh-huh. you know so it's yeah. like yeah it's definitely for a purpose you know they're they're they yeah. need to be able to mark their territory yeah, and that's stand, mine. so yeah, <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah <laughs> that's interesting and you know you wonder how that would play out if it's you know, if you're introducing different males, if, you know, if that would help them or hinder them, you know, again, it's the complexity of it is really difficult to predict how that might help. And, and, and like you said, you know, there's, there's probably more, more than one way to do this and and have success. And, and, you know, your way is obviously working and, and Philip or hammer's way is also working, you know, even though you're doing it kind of opposite in, in some, in some ways. Um, but you know, figuring that out sometimes can be a little tricky. And, And I think that goes to the point of, um, you know, you never know until you try it. And sometimes, right. you know, even negative results are, are good results. They might not be the best for that individual animal, but like, yeah. you know, you're, you're going to learn something and hopefully not make that mistake again or teach others yeah. that, Hey, I tried this in this situation. This is what happened, you know? And, and I think a lot of times reptile keepers are afraid to share their failures because then yeah. that, that, you know, that's kind of gives them a negative uh, aspect or, or view of from other keepers or people Not looking to buy their animals. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. <laughs> that's tricky because, you know, if you're doing it as your livelihood, you don't want to like do that and put it out there and everybody goes, oh, he sucks. You know, I'm not going to buy what a dummy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even though that's probably the way we need to be is, you know, share our failures yeah. so other people don't repeat them. But well, to, yeah. to, to that point, that's um, actually Camille and I talk about that all the time. That's something that we try to do. We try our best to do, you know, like mm-hmm. if something goes wrong, we share it, you know, like yeah. it's okay. It's not. Yeah. And that's, that's, it's funny because it's not just reptiles. That's like, yeah. Everywhere. Right. Like people, people need to be much, much more okay with admitting their mistakes. And, yeah. and all of us as a, as a population, whether it's reptiles or any other topic need to be way better about forgiving people for their mistakes and being like, it's fine. It's just like, mm. it happens. We're all dumb. Yeah. We're all people. It's not a big deal. Yeah. And you know, with the, um, uh, Actually, I just I just lost it. I had something else there. Well, uh, I think I think, it, you know, in regards to, you know, bouncing things off of other people who are doing the same thing or working with the same group of species, that's probably more productive anyway than just bouncing it off Joe Schmo oh, in yeah. the cyber world, you know? So, like, yeah. I yeah, think yeah, that's yeah. probably a, a reasonable thing to do is just keep it for your close friends that are doing the yeah. same thing you're doing. So, you know, it's more they can give you feedback or give you ideas of why that might have happened or how to, sure. you know, and then that yeah. helps you and them. And yeah. 
Right. Oh, and I, so I actually just, I just remembered it, but okay. um, the other thing was, I was going to say was that um, every year, even though solo housing is like my MO with the Euromastics at this point, mm-hmm. um, every year I try it a little differently. Every single year I'll be like, okay, this pair, when I put them together to mate, it wasn't crazy. The male didn't try to kill her. She didn't try to kill him. Okay. So let me just experiment with after they lay their eggs, I'm just going to leave them together, mm-hmm. you know, and just see, just see what happens. And inevitably like every year so far, something happens. And I, and I think it, it, it's got to do with setup and housing um, because at least I've tried it so many different ways and so many different times yet everybody else manages to keep all their stuff together to a certain extent. Yeah. And so I'm always like kind of doubting myself and I'm like, maybe if I change this one little thing or if I, you know, I'll give them seven trillion hides and things like this and 20 basking zones, maybe yeah. they'll be, maybe they'll be okay. Yeah. Um, but so far with the euros anyway, every single year at some point, somebody stops eating, somebody gets a bite mark, somebody gets, you know, chase, you can hear it from halfway across the shop, mm-hmm. you know, like that, that panic stressed run. out. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, the one I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, so at least for those anyway, but I, you know, that's why I love, that's why it's so nice to change it up with some of these other species sometimes. Yeah. Right. And have stuff that doesn't behave that same way because, you know, I can't think of something off the top of my head specifically, but working with those anoles that I was mentioning earlier has taught me stuff that I've then applied to the Euromastics and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, you know, you, you listening to you guys talk about it has inspired me to like, maybe I'll get some pythons here someday and, and try, try my hand at some serpents, you know, cause I've mm. never bred a snake to this day. So mm. it'd be, yeah. I'd love to, to try it out. Yeah. Well, know? Chuck knows I've been drooling over your mastics and I was like, <laughs> yeah. at, at the show, I just kept yeah. looking at him thinking, maybe I should try it. And I'm like, no, well, and nobody, 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 nobody can see <laughs> yeah. this, but when, you know, when Phil started talking about Euromastix, Justin just like lit up like he's about oh, twelve yeah. years old. They're such cool they're animals. Just, they're like, amazing. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. really cool. They're, they're, yeah. I, I mean, there's a reason I I stuck with them, you know. And, and yeah. they, uh, yeah. those things, the every single year, I you know, you think you're gonna get tired of it or get used to it, but every year when those things hatch, you're just like. <gasps> oh cool. man you know like that yeah. it, it you're always shocked you're just like yeah. i gotta i gotta compare my notes from last year because there's these are totally different these are way crazier and then you <laughs> compare your notes and they're exactly the same yeah or, and, <laughs> yeah. yeah well it, you know maybe if you if you ever want some we can swap i'll get some anteresia from you yeah and, there you and go I'll send you some, some euros yeah that'd be fun <laughs> yeah. I, I, someday i'll work with them that's yeah, yeah. That's, uh, um i one other uh I guess the other, I, I was thinking about um, something else Ron St. Pierre said where he was talking about his caging and he had like a um, bunch of different levels or, you know, he had like a, a false floor basically where they could go under it and, and different sized animals could get into different areas. So, and so they couldn't yeah. be chased by a larger animal, you know, having yeah. things like that because it really can be, you know, dangerous. Like you said, with some animals just might not be that social or might get some wild hair, uh, you know, totally. I'm just going to kill this thing. It's getting in my face. I don't want yeah. it in, you know, in my yeah. area. So, or, or yeah. to have visual barriers, you know, so they can't see each other all the time, you know, things like that. It's, mm-hmm. you know, there's, 
there's things things you can do, but it it does get a little complex, and it does require some attention. You know, you, like oh, you yeah. said, you don't want to just throw them in there and leave them. You want to keep yeah. an eye on them and things. But yeah, you want to be around them. Yeah, but I, you know, I wonder where you where you keep a, you know a lot of the same species. Maybe keep some solo and try some others as groups, or you know, try mm-hmm. to mix it up a little and you know, yeah. try try something new and you know, see how see how it goes. I'm, I mean, I'm going to have to, at some point, I'm going to have to try other things. And and what you mentioned about like an outdoor pit or a big outdoor pen or, or even just a large, a large enough pen indoors. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I really do want to play around with one day, because at least with, you know, I can, I can speak as just Euromastics in general. That's my, obviously it's the main thing. That's the thing I'm going to be working yeah. on for forever. Yeah. Um, but it's, ent- I also kind of am open about the possibility that, you know, right now I have a dozen different species and I've, I've managed to get all the ones that have, are available in the United States, oh, but cool. it also could be that in 10 years, maybe I only have two kinds, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. it just, you know, um, it's very possible that I'm underestimating the amount of dedication a single species may need to be established in her pediculture, or, yeah. you know, or something like that. And when, and when I think, I think about that all the time, when I look yeah. at the Ornata, you know, because the Ornata are, just generally they're the most popular they're probably the most colorful and yeah. most interesting the most diverse and things like that and so i think mm-hmm. a lot about what what kind of changes am i going to need to make in the next 10 years to make sure that this is a ongoing living thing and it mm-hmm. i mean it may be communal housing at some point i don't know yeah yeah you know? yeah and that's i guess that's the beauty when you're producing a lot you can you know try different things and you know i've done that myself you know trying yeah. to try different enclosure types or different aspects of caging that might benefit the animals and yeah, yeah. It's, it's fun to i think that's one of the benefits of breeding things is you can try those yeah. new things and, but then yeah. again if you've got something that's working sometimes right. you know changing right. things too much is like right. all of a sudden you're not producing them and you're like wait right. a second what happened <laughs> one thing at a time right yeah, exactly <laughs> can't, can't yeah. do the whole can't Just do the blanket changes yeah 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 ah, man there's there's so many cool uh cool aspects to this topic that uh, yeah. we could probably ha- have a three or four more shows but yeah. oh yeah oh yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 that's great stuff man this is fun I, I mean even just in this conversation you gave you guys both mentioned things i hadn't thought about yeah i, I, I love yeah, it likewise. i really so yeah. much fun yeah, I mean, yeah, if, if I didn't learn stuff on this, I don't think I'd do this podcast because that's right? one, of the, one of the benefits of this is thinking about things you hadn't thought about before. Totally, yeah. And, th- you know, things just kind of pop into your head too. Like I, I hadn't thought about the possibility of uh, epigenetic changes based on sociality. You know, that's yeah. something yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. That's, that's definitely a PhD project. Yeah, right there. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cool. Well, you got any kind of final thoughts or any, any, uh, summary that I mean, you want to throw out there? Uh, nah, nothing specific. Just probably yeah. like, it depends. Yeah. It, it depends. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I, I don't know that I, I mean, we kind of talked around it a little bit, but uh-huh. learning the natural history, observing, like, oh, you know, yeah. how you said you go out and watch Chuck Wallace in the wild. I'm sure someday you're going to be out watching. And if you haven't already oh, yeah. watched your mastics in the wild, you know, yes. and there's some cool, you know, YouTube, I know uh, Dave Kaufman did a couple mm-hmm. videos on some wild yep. and, and, you know, kind of blew my mind a little bit. I always thought they were all just desert, you know, flat sand dune type animals but seeing them up on the rocks it's like oh yeah of course there's yeah. gonna be lots of different types so, of habitats yes. and so uh, it's kind of cool uh, there, there's another there's also another guy um i can't remember his name but if you 
get on YouTube and you just Google or you just put in like ornate Euromastics uh-huh. wild or something. Yeah. There's a dude who lives in either like Israel or Egypt. I think it's Israel. Oh, oh yeah. And, and he has footage of just, you know, it'll be from way, way away, but it was yeah. a really solid zoom, zoom lens. Yeah. And you just see a, a rock crevice and a li- just the little ticker goes by. And then all of a sudden you see like a little ornate just walk out from it. <laughs> and it's just sitting there. It's bright green oh, with yellow. Cool. It's just, Oh yeah. Man. That's it's, my kind of YouTube yeah. videos, seeing stuff in yeah. the wild and yeah. And just observing natural behavior. That's, that's, that's so much, uh, you know, it's like a PhD project, just watching, oh, yeah. you know, like, and, and totally. taking it in and then trying to bring that to your, you know, captives and, and totally. improving their life and also, you know, um, improving your methods and, Mm-hmm. along the way so yeah yeah Couldn't learn about more, their man. natural history that's that's my favorite aspect of keeping these things be able to yeah. see natural behaviors and yeah it's it happened yeah. <laughs> you, you got cat by. <laughs> i knew it was gonna happen <laughs> those hey, are guy. beautiful cats too. That thank is, you fun. yeah he's for he's all a, who can't a, see a cat just walked by right meow <laughs> a right bangle meow. a bangle yeah. cat big yeah. boy nice meow. looking yeah what's the <laughs> what's the wild uh cat it's it's called um Asian leopard cat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. the they're they're all some percentage of hybrid. I yeah. I think ours are I think like F5 or F6, so it's uh-huh. not you can't really tell, but <laughs> yeah. This one, the one that just walked in front of the camera, you can tell with him cuz he's he's got no funny business in him, man. Really? It's all yeah, yeah he's he's <laughs> just very like you can pet me on the head. Yeah. That's it, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cats are funny creatures for sure. Yes, they yeah, sure are. They sure are. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely have to continue this topic uh, and and keep it going. But this was really good food for thought, and really appreciate you coming on and and uh, giving us throwing out these ideas and chatting with us here. It's been been I, a good. Uh, Good debate. <laughs> yeah, same same here, man. I enjoyed it a lot. I'd love to come on anytime and talk about anything that I'm qualified to talk about. Yeah, so I, I, I <laughs> love it. It was super super fun, man. Uh, we'll definitely have you back on. We you put up a couple really good uh, good information or good topics, so we'll have to have you back Thanks. on to to yep. talk about some of those. So cool. Very cool, sounds good. All right, man. Well. Um, Thanks again. We'll, we'll have you back sometime. I will, we'll kind of shout out to uh, Morelia Python radio. Um, go to more info at Morelia Python radio.com. If you need more information about the NPR, um, radio group, um, you, they have a website or Morelia Python radio.com. Um, all the information's there. Also follow Morelia Python radio on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube channel, uh, all everything's at MP at NPR network. So there's my, uh, due diligence for <laughs> the network. Much I remember this time. Eric will hope not, that, hope that was all right. Eric Eric yeah. will not be cussing our name. <laughs> yeah. We need to, we need to do it like the, the, um, auctioneer style. Yeah. You know, oh. really fast. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so Phil, what, what about you? How, what, where can people find you find yeah. your, uh, work? Yeah. See your so, animals? Yeah, everything, whether it's a uh, Facebook or Instagram, it's just Arids only A R I D S O N L Y. Except yeah. for uh 
and Knowles, right? <laughs> yeah, except for the Knowles. Then it's Dewey only, according to Camille. Yeah, he says, he says yeah. I have to do a totally separate logo for that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Aaron's only. I, yeah. I really like that. That That's a cool uh, cool name. Yeah. Hey, thanks. Appreciate yeah. it, man. I'm a I'm fellow desert fan, desert rat. I'm, I'm out there as much as I can get out there. Yeah. Rock yeah on, if you're ever in, the, in Utah, I want to go herping down in St. George or something, let me know. We'll go Heck yeah, there. absolutely. Cool. Sounds yeah. good. Let's fun. do it. All right. Well, thanks again. And uh, thanks everybody out there for listening to Morelia Python Thunder. Reptile Fight Club. What are, who are we again, Chuck? Help me out here, buddy. I don't know anymore. What <laughs> yeah. a sad, sad finish. Well, yeah, I know. Weak, weak sauce for me. Um, from Phil, Justin, and Chuck, we hope that you keep, uh, keep fighting on and kicking ass. <laughs> We're out. I took the- <laughs> Fight Club.